I bet you've noticed the gathering in of students this week. Our roads are filled once again, and it is a wonderful thing to see it all happen. This city that nearly doubles its population in the course of just a short few days, it is a wonderful thing to have schools at their work once again. But God bless the freshman class. As they come in, they come in with great naivete, navigating the expectations. It has not occurred to them yet that they have to go to class. They know classes are occurring. (laughs) But that will come shortly as they begin to read those assignments and as they begin to make their way to the bookstore. I'm assuming that students still do that. They go there and they find out, oh, this was not included in the tuition and begin to make their arrangements for how they're going to purchase those books or download those items. The reality is that the teachers hope that they will hang on the wonder of those words, though, and be able to share with the class not only the understanding of those books that they purchase, but their interpretations of the works that they are reading. You're aware of that, aren't you? Especially uh, when you reach the uh, level of a university setting, that what the university is seeking to do is to keep the interpretation going not just reiterate the knowledge that is there, but to keep the interpretation going at such a, in such a way that not only the teacher is doing the interpreting, but the student, him or herself, is also learning to interpret. Here in the context of our reading the scripture this morning, it is clear to me once again that Jesus could teach us a lot about interpreting scripture. You remember he's been doing this from the very beginning. Um, I imagine particularly that those in the temple when he made himself uh, in place in his father's house, they were fascinated with his take on the scripture. They were mesmerized by this one who was so young who seemed to have such command and interpreting in his own way. But do you remember as he took up his ministry that after his baptism that Jesus went into the wilderness and there encountered Satan who was very good at bringing up to him situations that looked plausible. And in fact, they were downright enticing the idea of when you're hungry, turning anything into bread. I love bread. Can you imagine Jesus? looking out at all of the stones in the wilderness and thinking how wonderful it would be. And then being given the opportunity to be in charge of the entire world. Satan said it had been given to him to give that authority to Jesus. Satan was quoting all kinds of scripture at Jesus. Perhaps you've known these persons too. 
But just because someone can quote scripture doesn't mean that they understand God's will. And when Jesus responded to Satan, he too used scripture to refute the logic that Satan was using. Jesus routinely challenges the prevailing interpretation of Scripture and regularly calls on his hearers and the Pharisees to move beyond the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. In Jesus' preaching, even in those beginning thoughts that he was sharing, in the Sermon on the Mount, you remember he would say over and over again, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, let me give you one for instance of this concerning anger. You've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. Jesus was interpreting the scripture every day of his life. You see, the thing that entraps us is legalism. We have this tendency to revert to legalism. Whenever we get organized about following God, that is not to say that the church cannot do great things, but the church should always be suspicious of itself because left to ourselves, we are our own worst enemy. You remember how the rules ages ago were formed for Moses. He went up on the mount and there was given these Ten Commandments and then came back down and shared those with the people. You remember these. Over in Exodus chapter 20 is one of the recordings of these words. And in the eighth verse of the 20th chapter, it specifically says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Do any of you have a memory of a time in which it seemed that we did a better job at keeping the Sabbath than we do now? Raise your hand if you remember. <laughs> I remember. I remember that when we were living in Metter, when I was a child between the fifth grade and the eighth grade we were over there um, even if you wanted to buy something on Sunday you could not buy something on Sunday because nothing was open on Sunday 
Now in our culture, there are a couple of businesses that do this even now, but they are the exception to the rule. It is more of an oddity almost that it occurs. But it is a recapturing of a simpler day, I believe, that they are striving for. And ultimately, I imagine, if you were to go to talk with the CEOs or the owners of these companies, that their effort is in some way to give God honor. What has happened through the years that the Sabbath for us has become something so different? It is the exceptions to the rules that we allow to happen. And some of you are cringing even at this moment to think about all the exceptions to the rules. Because we are always making exceptions to the rules. And when you begin to think about it, we ask ourselves the question, where are these exceptions going? If we continue to make exceptions, then everything will become unraveled. Nothing will make sense to us if we do not keep the rules in place. And so some of us adopt the idea that we need to be more fastidious to the rules. We need to keep the rules in a better way. And yet this was not Jesus' way of preaching, teaching, or working in our midst. In fact, Jesus was seeking very much to understand and to be the heart of God in the midst of his work. And in order to do that, one must use one's brain and one's heart to understand the meanings of Scripture. Have you ever read in the Scripture just how rule-oriented the Sabbath became? In Numbers chapter 15... It talks about a penalty for violating the Sabbath. Listen to this rule. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath. Gathering sticks on the Sabbath? Those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses, Aaron, and to the whole congregation. And they put him in custody because it was not clear what, they sh what should be done with him. And then the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him outside the camp. The whole congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Is there anyone here that understands that passage of Scripture? Because if you do... I'd like to meet with you following worship and have you explain it to me. 
Jesus read this. He was aware of this. I think it shows us that unless we think, unless we have a heart to understand what God is up to, we will never make sense of this holy word. It is so critical for us as we lean toward God to also lean toward each other. Following the heart of God and the mind of Christ left Jesus in a conflicted relationship with his own heritage. Don't you get that? A conflicted relationship with his own heritage. As Adam Hamilton entitles his book, he was seeing gray in a world of black and white. There's some people that want to look at the scripture and say, this is just the way it is. It's black and white. Why can't you be faithful to it? Not with Jesus. Jesus was always an interpreter of God's holy word. Why? Why? Because it needs to be interpreted. And don't you see that this is the way it has always been? Even Peter there on the roof of the house, convinced of those things that he should eat and he should not eat, and in a dream of vision in the midst of the day, this canopy of food comes down, some that he knows he shouldn't get near, and yet he hears the voice of the Lord saying, take and eat, it's all okay, it's all all right here. You and I need an interpreter to understand. Even in more recent years, a century or two back, but the church had to figure out who it was going to be. And frankly, it didn't always do such a good job at knowing what was God's will. In fact, denominations were built around the idea that slavery was not only a good thing economically, but it was a God-blessed thing and the way that the world was to be organized. We live in a very different culture these days that has come to a different understanding of slavery. In fact, I maintain that the culture has helped to teach the church how to interpret the Bible in regard to that subject. And let me ask you another question while we're here on this. Because I believe, don't you, that we are very fortunate to have a woman in ministry on our staff. Now, she's not here to hear me, um, but I said it in her presence at the 845 worship that we are very blessed as a people to have Stephanie Smith on staff, not only because she is a good preacher, 
but because she understands her calling in ministry. Have you picked that up from her? What a blessed person she is and how blessed we are. But don't you realize that just in order for her to be here and in this role, that the Methodist church in particular has had to come to another understanding of what God's will is and to interpret Scripture in a way that makes it possible for Stephanie to follow her calling in our midst. I tell you that as I look at this passage of Scripture that has been read for us this day, that I look at it in a little different way, thinking about how Jesus reinterprets for us the Scripture. The woman came and she was bent over. Eighteen years she had been struggling. I've seen persons. I particularly am remembering a precious little lady from years ago who had osteoporosis and her bones could her bones could not support her structure even though she was tiny she was so bent over when I would talk with her she would lift her head up and I would want to stoop down in order that we could see eye to eye she was so bent over from the illness that she was experiencing but this is a different situation and even more profound Because Jesus says to her, woman, you are set free. But he sees in her that there is this spirit that has caused her to be bent over. Have you ever been around somebody who is carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders? Somebody that is carrying such a burden because of their situation in particular, their heartache, their oppression, their illness, whatever it might be. That they are just bent low. In fact, you may be saying to yourself, I'm one of those people carrying such weight on me right now. Jesus sees this in us. And he does not refrain, but reaches out to take us by the hands and lift us up that we can stand straight before him again. This is what happens with this lady. And of course, those who are fastidious with the law took issue that this was occurring on a Sunday, a Sabbath. Actually, it would have been a Saturday back in those days. But on a Sabbath, this was not to occur. And yet, it was at the heart of Christ and his understanding and interpretation of Scripture that it did occur. Could not Jesus have waited? I mean, she had been in this situation for 18 years. Couldn't he have waited one more day? One more day? Would it have made any difference? But Jesus wanted to share a teaching. Do you get this? 
an understanding of Scripture in a new way. This is especially important for those of us who occasionally get it in our minds that we know exactly what the Bible says. Jesus said that he had not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. My fear is that the toxicity of religion will kill it. Because the uses of scripture for some of us is simply, simply a way to leverage our advantage. With Jesus, there was no question about which day it was. The only question was what needed to be done. You remember the two rules that were paramount for Jesus, don't you? That greatest commandment, you know this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our Lord is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. And there's another like it. That's right, there's another like it. And you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you talk about rules, Jesus would say, those are the two biggies. And if you can get those two right, there are a number of other things that will be okay. I didn't come to abolish all that other stuff, but it'll be okay. I believe that in these precious pages there is a holiness that resides. The longer I live, the more I believe that this holiness is not so much because it is black and white, but because God, in the form of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, invites us into the gray area to interpret what God might have us to do and to believe today. Let us make sense as much as we are able of this precious textbook. God, give us vision and understanding.